bite-sized climate action is all about the things that you can do to mitigate climate change. From adopting simple climate-friendly habits to spreading awareness to family, friends, and others in your sphere of influence. In this episode, we are joined by fishery science expert Dr. Amy Then Yi Hui and turtle conservationist Ms. Eva Vivian Justine from the Coastal Ocean Actionable and Sustainable Teaching and Research Fellowship Program, also known as CoStar. Eva interviews Amy about the impact of climate change on our oceans. Climate change can impact water in complex ways, and the ocean and marine life are no exception. With Malaysians being among the world's top fish consumers, it certainly is a worrying thought knowing our access to the healthiest protein source might be under threat due to climate change. Joining us in today's episode to share her expert view on climate change and the ocean with a focus on fish is Dr. Amy Tan Yi Hui, a senior lecturer in the Institute of Biological Science, University Malaya. Dr. Amy Tan is a coastal marine researcher with a doctorate in fishery science. She is interested in cross-cutting research topics that examine knowledge gaps and the way forward for improved conservation and management of species and ecosystems with potential co-benefits for humans. Dr. Amy is also the principal investigator for a project called COSTA, which we will talk more about at the end. Welcome, Dr. Amy. Thank you, Eva, for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. As a marine researcher, how would you say the ocean has been impacted by climate change? Let's start by defining what climate change is. So scientists call climate change as long-term changes or unusual differences that you observe to average weather patterns. So when I say that the weather is unpredictable, I'm referring to patterns that I have seen during my short lifetime. But when we are talking about long-term in the climate context, we're talking about activities that have happened way back in the 1700s since the Industrial Revolution. So human activities like mass burning of fossil fuels and clearing of forests have increased the concentration of greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere to levels that we've never seen before. So why is this bad? Like greenhouses, these greenhouse gas act to trap heat, causing the oceans to also absorb more heat. This then results in warming waters and sea level rise. These changes are not trivial as they also change our weather patterns. So in Malaysia, some of the climate change that we expect to see include increasing and more variable rainfall, more frequent storms of higher intensity, and lower sea productivity, including fisheries production. More CO2 also means that the ocean chemistry is changing. Think about your fizzy carbonated drinks. This causes the waters to get more acidified, which is not great for organisms with skeletons and shells like coral reefs and our favorite lala clams. Our oceans had actually been incredible in absorbing a significant amount of heat and carbon dioxide, therefore regulating global climate. 
But if we do not take strong steps now to lower the concentration of greenhouse gases, the ocean health and ours as well is in jeopardy. That is definitely concerning. So how does this affect the marine habitats such as the coral reefs, mangroves, or seagrass? Great question, Eva. As I mentioned earlier, if we wanted to understand effects of climate change, we actually need long-term monitoring data sets. But unfortunately, in Malaysia, we don't have these kind of data sets. And therefore, we, we understand less about the status of our marine habitats. From what we know, climate change is generally bad news for shallow tropical coral reefs, like what we have in Sipadan, for example. Warming of waters had been responsible for mass coral bleaching, and the damage can be irreversible. Ocean acidification also slows the growth of coral reefs, making them even more vulnerable. So far, the evidence that we have suggests that coral reefs in Malaysia are quite resilient to climate change impacts. And this is based on the relatively limited um, extent and damage from coral bleaching that we've seen locally compared to reefs in neighboring countries like Thailand and Australia. For mangroves, another of our important habitat, sea level rise might be the biggest threat from climate change. Depending on the rate of our sea level rise and other factors, our mangroves may not be able to adapt in time and will essentially get flooded and killed. For seagrass, um, the increased temperature and the increase in carbon dioxide um, to some extent can promote growth of some species, but may not be great for some others. And um, the change in water circulation may also result in distributional changes of seagrass. So what this means is that for an animal like dugong that eats only seagrass, uh, they may not be able to find um, their food uh, where they usually go for feeding. So when we talk about climate change, it sounds like it's something that's happening in the future, but in fact, we're already experiencing this now. But the bigger ongoing issue, Eva, that I think we have to deal with for our coastal habitats are other human activities like forest clearing and industrialization near coastal areas that's resulting in pollution, high sedimentation and degradation of um, our valuable habitats. So if you think about one major oil spill event or one fish bombing episode, this can cause some serious long-term habitat damage that affects the resilience of these habitats to withstand climate change. So when we talk about dealing with climate change, you know, we cannot ignore um, these other impacts that are also um, damaging and most um, directly affecting these habitats. Hmm. What about the fish then? Since these marine habitats are the home and breeding ground for the fish, will it affect the future projection of our fishery? Um, the fish depends on the, the habitat. So yeah, I would say that, you know, if the habitats are not doing well, uh, neither would, would our fish. But um, let's look a little bit more about, you know, what um, the immediate climate uh, effect. So for us humans, we may switch on the fan or air conditioning to cool ourselves when it gets hot. Now, when the waters get hot, um, for the fish, this is stressful, and they will ideally move towards cooler, deeper waters, and also in the direction of where the food items, like shrimps, uh, would have moved to. 
So scientists call this the poleward movement of fish. Um, this means that you know they move towards the cooler north or south poles, and this basically changes their distribution. So Malaysia being at the equator, uh, you can imagine that poleward movement means that we're going to lose a lot of our fish. In fact, one uh, important uh, climate modeling paper showed that fish catch in the Southeast Asia region will be reduced by possibly up to 40% in about 30 years time with the uh, current uh, climate change projection. So that's not really good for us that depend a lot on our seafood. It is important to note that different fish species have specific responses to climate change. Um, based on the data that we have, um, bottom fishes like our karapu, our siakap, um, they don't seem to uh, be able to respond well. So we might not see uh, this on our dinner plates in the future. And uh, most of the fish that will do well, uh, these are pelagic in nature, uh, meaning to say that they are associated with the water. So like the tuna in Kambong, uh, we might have uh, more of this uh, in our catch. Well, that doesn't sound too bad then. I could go for a change in my fish menu. <laughs> well, maybe not entirely bad news for us consumers, but um, this is not great news for fishers that will have to probably change their fishing gear types or they might have to go out further and longer in order to catch fish, you know, to make a living. Um, in fact, many of the fishers are already uh, reporting uh, less catch in fish and they're also catching uh, different types of fish than what we used to. So we are definitely seeing uh, impacts of uh, climate change already. I see. That's unfortunate then, knowing the fishers' communities will be negatively affected by climate change. That is definitely a food for thought, and I believe we all should do our part to combat climate change. On another note, tell us more about your COSTA project. How can the project address some of these concerns? The idea behind the COSTAR project um, was to fill in the gaps uh, to focus on empowerment of early career researchers, as well as postgraduate students that are passionate about coastal sustainability issues. And we are very grateful to British Council for funding this idea. So to do this, we have a fellowship based program where fellows from um, different kinds of background, um, both sciences and social sciences, commit to a series of activities that include um, diverse knowledge sharing and hands-on capacity building activities. And this is supported by um, multidisciplinary international mentors. Um, most of these activities are unfortunately virtual in nature, but we did manage to have a week-long field expedition uh, that took place in some um, uh, various mangrove rich areas in Malaysia. And this was um, pretty amazing uh, to cement some solid uh, relationships, build good um, networking and create um, immersive experience, which I think was really a highlight of the COSAR project. And to add on to that, the COSTA fellows also helped develop the water module for the bite-sized climate action website, which includes um, this podcast as well. As, and so in a way, COSTA helped to raise awareness on climate change and its effect on our fisheries. 
So before we end our session, uh, do you have any advice for listeners on what we can do on a personal level to protect our oceans and the fisheries? So I think whatever that we can do to help to decrease our uh, carbon emissions or footprint is important. So some of the practical steps uh, include um, eating less meat, uh, think about our transportation um, options. Uh, if you can walk, you know, or take the LRT, it's better than taking a car. Um, and also, um, I think one um, other important uh, point is to perhaps pursue a more minimalist lifestyle, use less resources like water and electricity, buy less, uh, throw less. And another practical action is to support a local restoration of our habitats. For example, our mangroves and seagrass. This would really be very important to help to offset um, uh, carbon that is being emitted. Thank you for listening to our episodes on ocean and climate change with Dr. Annie Tan. Here's a quick recap of this episode, Bite-Sized Climate Action. Reduce carbon footprint. Using public transportation and consuming less meat is one way to reduce our carbon emission. By reducing our carbon footprint, we help slowing the rate of temperature rise, sea level rise, and ocean acidification. Use less resource. Pursue a minimalist lifestyle by using less water, less energy, and reduce the amount of trash we produce by buying only necessary things. Volunteer in a mangrove or seagrass restoration activities. By supporting local conservation efforts, we help restore and conserve the ecosystem that can remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. For more simple actions you can take for a cooler planet, check out the Bite Size Climate Action website and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Bite Size Climate Action is developed by University Malaya and University of Nottingham, Malaysia, in collaboration with the British High Commission in Kuala Lumpur, supported by Econites.